Okay, we are live, episode 47, Drew Dickey, love that name, House Bakes, Andrew Silver, Molo Solutions, we get right into it, talking about Taos, give us the story, who founded the company, what are the original products, and where are you right now, give us, give us all three. Right on. Yeah. First off, thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, I've been digging, checking these out. But yeah, really the whole founding story revolves around this place, Taos, that we're located in. Um, small little ski kind of tourist town uh, in northern New Mexico. Um, really outdoor recreation oriented. That's kind of what drew us all out here in the first place. Um, so really we graduated, uh, wanted to be ski bums, essentially. <laughs> so moved out here to do that. After two years of uh, doing that, being like baristas and Cal and Brooks were actually, our founders were actually night janitors at a gym. And uh, after doing that for a couple of years, we all realized that we need a little something more stimulating than this. Um, and so it was out of that, that outdoor lifestyle um, that we were living that the inception of, of Taos Bakes was born um, because we were the types to have something convenient with us, a snack that we could eat on the go um, while we were skiing, climbing, uh, mountain biking, that kind of thing, saw a gap in, in the market. This was 2010 um, when this went down uh, originally, um, that basically there was nothing we could find that uh, was made with the ingredients we wanted and the experience of eating it was actually enjoyable. You know, we were choking down these cardboardy homogenized bars with a gallon of water um, and realized we could do something better. Um, Brooks was always kind of a Snickers bar guy. So he wanted that psychological taste reward of that. We wanted something with healthy, wholesome ingredients. So kind of marrying those two things was uh, the original inception of, of Taos Bakes. And what, was, what was the first product and where did you develop it? So we actually started here in Taos in a community kitchen uh, believe it or not. Um, the first two products were the chocolate butterscotch, peanut butter, chocolate butterscotch, and the almond agave cinnamon, uh, two bars. Yeah, literally rented hours out at the community kitchen in Taos, cranked them out by hand, slapped stickers one by one on the packaging, started selling uh, locally here in the Rocky Mountain region. Um, since then, we've got eight SKUs now of bars, some granolas, um, some other stuff in the in the works. Um, but yeah. Be, before we get there, how did you know what products or ingredients to put in? So if this was, let's say, 2010, um, is that really when you first started putting those bars together? How did you know which ingredients to choose? How did you understand the nutritional profiles and how those were going to affect the product? And how were you able to even identify getting a nutritional on there, putting a label on, finding a skew? For someone who's watching this, who, who's never uh, popped out a product like that before, understanding that there are some requirements, even if you are selling door to door, just give us a short framework on how that developed. Yeah, so as far as the flavor profiles, so Brooks Thostensen, one of our founders is Norwegian. Um, he had this old family recipe that was essentially kind of like this chocolate peanut butter um, mix that his family had created. He loved it growing up. It was obviously terrible for you, like the worst sugar you could have in there. So he was like, I'm going to take this idea, like he's the Snicker bar guy. Like I'm going to take that idea, but make use, you know, ingredients that are actually, um, you know, a lot healthier for you, but has that, 
that taste, that psychological reward, the enjoyment of eating it. Um, so that's how that uh, bar came to be. That was the first one. And then as far as kind of just the logistics of making that happen, again, that um, community kitchen was a huge asset for us. Um, there were a lot of people there that had gone through this process before. Um, we were able to tap into a network there about, you know, there was even a lady there that helped us get our first UPC squared away, um, get the packaging squared away. So really tapping into um, that incubator uh, of a kitchen helped us out a ton. That's a great, that's a great point. And I'm glad you noted it. Again, uh, there are certain things that some people may not know about the CPG world, such as, all right, well, where do I get the UPC? How do I identify it? Does there need to be a skew attached to it? And then from there, nutritionals, right? Okay, there has to be a nutritional panel and there's guidelines for that. So asking someone, uh, navigating through a network uh, can help you there. Looks like you found yourself in a kitchen, a community kitchen, which is um, even more helpful because there are uh, strategic people within there that you could probably tap on a shoulder. So that's awesome. Let's fast forward, uh, getting a few years into the business. Um, Let's say it's 2014, 2015. What, what did the business look like then? And had you gone outside of just going to uh, your local or regional stores? Yeah, we did keep it kind of uh, regional to begin. Um, we did started landing some national accounts like REI and things like that. Um, but we moved in. The big move was moving into our own facility um, where we actually manufacture the products now. Um, so that was kind of the biggest step in scaling the business, um, allowing us to, to reach out beyond um, our region. Um, but I have to say, New Mexico and the Rocky Mountain region has been a huge um, incubator for us and allowed us to really get our, our feet beneath us. Um, and really just in the last few years, uh, we've seen a ton of success and kind of that snowball effect um, branching out into, into other regions nationally. Nice. Uh, and so you mentioned REI. How, when, when was that and how did you develop that type of relationship? Give us a little bit of that story. Yeah, so obviously um, our products were, came from the niche of outdoor lifestyle. So it was a, a pretty obvious fit for us because that's the type of people, most of the people that work in the company uh, kind of have that outdoor lifestyle aspect to them. So um, it was just cultivating the relationship with the buyers there, um, being able to present to them. Um, and yeah, they, they immediately loved the product. I, I want to say too that, um, and I've heard you say this before, that the product has to come first and we really stand behind it. And, and in my sales experience, just getting people to try it is kind of like it's a home run from there, you know? So the product really stands on its own two legs and um, sells itself, so to speak. Good. Uh, and that is an important piece. And I talk about it all the time, actually, in an interview yesterday, you, you need to be able to walk into a meeting and understand that the product had already been sold as just itself, right? If you aren't walking in there 100% confident that when the person's going to taste it, that they're going to reply to you that this tastes amazing, you're already two steps behind. It's the why, which I talk about all the time, the why, the mission, who's behind it and where you're going for the reasons. That's the piece that sells, in my opinion. 
Uh, that's the piece that's incomparable. That's the piece that where often I say there are, it really is no a com competitor for us because I don't believe anybody's going to drive the why as hard or as passionate as we can. Again, that's a, that's a personal note, but dr dr getting back into the product piece, it's got to taste good. Food and beverage, it has to taste good. Let's move forward to the last couple years. What does the company look like in 2018, 19? Uh, give us sort of like the door counts and, and give us a little piece of your direct to consumer. You sell on a website, maybe even on Amazon. Give us the split of those two businesses. Yeah, so um, door counts as far as retail, we're in, you know, around like 2,500, 3,000 accounts um, nationally. Some it, with a brick and mortar, we split it between grocery and non grocery. We have a ton of retail network with like coffee shops, um, outdoor retailers, that kind of thing. And then obviously the grocery world is its own thing. Um, and it's kind of funny. I feel like we almost went about this backwards to how a lot of brands do it and where our direct to consumer and our e-commerce is just now kind of like the last three years been a main focus. We really went the brick and mortar route and kind of built that like brick by brick from region to region. Um, but obviously we all know that uh, direct to consumer is, is a huge opportunity. Um, and we've really put a ton of focus um, in that the last few years, luckily with, especially with our current circumstance. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of funny though, that um, I see a lot of brands go to the direct consumer route first. And, you know, I, I think we just didn't even really know <laughs> what we were doing when we first started and, and just built uh, and learned along the way. Yeah, the, that is actually what's transpired, I'd say, over the last 10 years. And no, I, I don't think it's um, that uncommon. In today's environment, many companies are actually just going direct to consumer. Uh, retail or, or brick and mortar is really not even on their sites. And that's just because you can do a lot of testing today with a lot less money if you're going to have a direct to consumer uh, you know, direct to consumer play. You can find out who the consumer is quicker. Uh, you can see whether or not people care about the product, whether or not it has a market fit. Um, but the way that you've built it is very common. And so um, I, I believe a lot of those who, who started when you did were doing sort of the brick and mortar. And then over the last couple of years and specifically now being hyper-focused over direct to consumer. And it's, you know, it's hugely important um, yep. to, commit, to commit that time to it. What does the next... 12 months look like for Taos. Uh, give us sort of the lay of the land. Where do you want to be 12 months from now uh, with the company? Yeah, so a huge thing we've been working on um, the last you know, year really, um, and the next going forward is expanding the umbrella of the products that we're producing. Um, so we just released a couple of new SKUs of granola. Um, we've got some other things coming down the pipeline, but um, but yeah, that's kind of a huge focus for us is, uh, we've realized that we have the capability, um, and kind of the intuition and the creative, the creativity to create amazing products. And where can we take this kind of baked, um, umbrella into different products? Um, so that's, um, where we're putting a ton of energy and focusing going forward. Obviously we've got a lot of momentum right now, um, with some big retailers that we've partnered with. And so we're finally at that point 
Um, you know, it's funny, this stuff doesn't have, there's no overnight success stories, like one in a billion, as we know. So um, it's taken, you know, 10 years to really build a solid platform and now finally starting to um, attract the eyes um, of some bigger players. So it's really exciting for us to, to start and move through some new channels um, outside of our regions uh, that we're in. Um, and yeah, kind of start trying to compete with some of the bigger names out there. Nice. Um, sounds like you guys are doing some cool stuff. Yeah. I often say, you know, the 20 year overnight success story that people don't really understand. They see a, they see a headline that something's been acquired. They don't realize that brand's been around for 20 years. Uh, it takes a lot of time, a lot of commitment, a lot of cash uh, to keep a business uh, in food and beverage, not only going, but growing uh, and having uh, brand equity. That's, that's a value. Uh, cool stuff, man. I appreciate you being on. Hang tight. We got Andrew Silver, Molo Solutions. He's got the game on in the background. I, I need to step my office game up. The guy's got some – he had a football game on going. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, what we got, we got, got going the, on over there? We got the Give golf going this morning, the U.S. Open's going, and uh... – I don't know. You always get. You always got to worry about golf in the he, background for freight brokers. He's on barstool throwing up some sort of. Uh, shout out to bar. I don't know where that just came from. That was yeah, totally what, off the top. What are you throwing me <laughs> barstool for? I give it because what's uh, what's what's uh, Molo Solutions up to? What are you guys doing there with the platform? So so we're a freight brokers, plain and simple. I bet you probably get a hundred of us, hundred freight brokers emailing you a week, right? You ignore every one of them, right? <laughs> Not me. You try to respond. You try to respond. Yes. And they're largely probably telling you the same thing, right? We're going to take care of you better than everybody else. And um, so we actually do that. And, and it's funny because everybody says it, everybody talks the talk. Uh, but when we started this business a little over three years ago, it was on the premise that we were actually going to walk the walk, right? Not just talk the talk. And so uh, our whole platform is centered around taking care of our customers. I think you guys say the product come first, comes first is what we were just talking about. For us, the customer comes first. And, and, and for you as a, as a CPG or food and bev um, business owner, the last thing you probably want to spend your time thinking about is your transportation, right? You want it to be out of sight, out of mind. You have someone you trust and it's just taken care of. Um, there are certain times of year where that's easy for everybody to do. And then there are certain times of year where that gets a lot more challenging. Uh, and for us, we're, we're fortunate because the last two months, um, the industry has kind of turned on its head it's almost, it's really difficult to find a good truck right now uh, just because there's so much freight moving throughout the country and it's just gotten very, it's become very expensive. And we're one of the few companies who's kind of stood by our customers and continue to service them despite the cost increases. So. Well said. And, and yes, I have a commitment to replying. Uh, that's uh, uh, me being neurotic though, uh, as I've often said. Uh, and it's also just the right thing to do, the polite thing to do. It's, it's uh, people often forget, you know, I'm in sales too, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what the title is. We're all in sales and sales is what makes the thing go around. And uh, it's just a respect level. But uh, yes, freight is, a, freight is a hungry piece that comes through here uh, a lot. And we have, uh, we've been fortunate. We have some really great partners uh, in, that, uh, in that vertical. Andrew's info, Drew's info, check it out. Appreciate both of you guys being on. Be healthy, be happy, be safe, be well. Peace. You too, man. Thanks so much. Yeah.